a special edition of the Tiskin Podcast. This is a one-on-one interview with Reef Bates, who was third place for Thousand Suns at LBO and 69th overall. Uh, in our interview, I tried to get an idea of how he designed his list, uh, some of the details about the games that he played, and an idea of uh, what he thinks is in store for the future for Thousand Suns. I hope you enjoy. Uh, Reef, how you doing, man? Yeah, hey, I'm doing pretty good. Feeling, feeling pretty excited for this. Yeah, so your uh, your LVO went pretty good, yeah. Yeah, you know, a little bit of a rough start, but uh, hung in there and ended up with a pretty good score. I'm I'm, I'm very proud of. So for those who uh, weren't following, um, tell us a little bit about the list you took. Yeah, so um, this came about from uh, CA. Uh, yeah, I was looking at a lot of the the bigger stuff coming down in price, and I was like, "Wow, you know, I, I think I can spam a bunch of like T seven big targets." So, um, I did, I did a bunch of trial and uh, error and some local RTTs, and came down to this. I'm gonna bring it up here because I've already forgotten some of this. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've got a Thousand Suns uh, Battalion. Um, went a little discount on the HQs. I, I run an arm on a disc, of course. Um, brought a Sorcerer and Terminator armor to go with, with a familiar, of course. Um, didn't make him the Warlord, decided that was better used somewhere else. And no Demon Princes, which is a bit uh, controversial, I suppose. <laughs> um, I went with, uh, I normally run two sets of 20 Zangors to, to go with that battalion. I actually cut a few for points. So I ran two sets of 18. Um, missed them a little bit, but not too bad. And then 10 cultists to fill out that battalion. And then I brought a total of 17 enlightened with the great bows, which apparently is also a little controversial on the uh, forum. We've, there's been a lot of back and forth talk about these enlightened, but they are absolutely my MVPs. So um, I brought a max size squad of nine and a just short of max uh, size squad of eight. Again, just cut for just a handful of points. Um, I got a Zangor Shaman babysitter. Um, he's also running my Dark Matter Crystal. He's really my only choice since I normally deep strike that Sorcerer and Terminator armor. And I brought the Mutal of the Vortex Beast. Um, I ran two for a long time. Just couldn't fit the points in, so I brought one this time. Um, He's an interesting fella. And then I also have a Zinch Demons Battalion um, where I brought a unnamed Lord of Change and Kairos Fate Weaver. And uh, man, these guys are a lot of fun. Um, definitely, again, controversial. There's a, I, I did a lot of talking with my lists here locally um, with our scene and, and, and at LVO. Just so many people talking about so many different points and, and double Lord of Change was definitely up there. Um, uh, fill out the, uh, the uh, battalion with three sets of 10 brimstones, and then I've got a drop of six flamers and a flux master, which is just their the basic de- Zinch Demons HQ on a disc so he can keep up with those flamers. So it's it's all over the place, it's a, it's a pretty wild it's, list. <laughs> it's really interesting, actually. The, the interesting thing is between you and Justin. Um, I think Zach was running mostly Supreme Commands, so he he had uh, Demon Princess slashed in there. But I think of like the top uh, Thousand Suns players, it's interesting how there's kind of like this un- unspoken movement away from the Demon Princes. 
Yeah, which is interesting to me as well because I I don't think they've gotten any worse. <laughs> you know, they're still amazing units. I just wonder if it's the uh, the meta maybe. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean that's fair. They they do poorly against. Um, I'm seeing a lot more grotesques. I'm seeing a lot more uh, Bulgren. Uh, I mean, I guess there's always a lot of Bulgren, but you know they just don't do great against really meaty midfield objective holders, and, and maybe that's that's something there. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I wonder if it'll keep up as we uh, we start to see the the next wave of GT start to hit. Yeah, I'm really curious as well. I think one of the cool things about this LVO was we just saw such a wild smattering all over the place of not just factions, but the lists within each faction. And I think a lot of people are going to see that and go, well, I guess I could do anything now, and it should be awesome. Yeah. So your, so your list, um, the actually the interesting thing is we'll probably – We'll probably break that down a little bit more and get into like the butylith and the um, the enlightened. Um, but probably where we could start is just kind of how your matchups went. And um, one of the things right off the bat, I mean, you show up to LBO and right away, you know, you're fighting a Castellan and a couple, you know, uh, looks like a couple wardens. I mean, how yes. how did that feel? You know, sitting up on the table and seeing that. Gosh, I, I, I did have some mixed feelings. Um, you know, I've, I've run so many lists with Magnus that I have it in the back of my head that I'm like, I'm good at killing knights because Magnus just eats them for breakfast. And then uh, as we got into, especially into turn two, I was going, oh, this is not the same. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, like um, really just uh, my focus anytime I run into something big and sort of troublesome to play against is okay, break it down, how do I play to the objective? Because I know I can't compete in firepower. Um, so I played like really defensively against something like Knights, for example. It was, uh, you know, can't let it get to you sort of thing. <laughs> so did he, so did he end up, it, did it end up being kind of like a board control game where you kind of, if I remember that mission is the one where I think it's three objectives, there's one in the middle um, to start yeah. it off. Yeah, that's uh, no, no. Sorry, that is. Um, I brought my packet along just because I. Oh, knew perfect. It. Um, so uh, number one uh, is seize ground, so it's the six objectives. Um, so I actually felt a little confident that I'd be able to hold better ground than him. Yeah, for sure. Many. Um, and you know, I, I was kind of still holding out hope. My my secondaries, I didn't take anything like, uh, I, did, I took Titan Slayer, but I didn't take like King Slayer. I wasn't really focused on um, being killy, although in the back of my head, I was like, ah, the Lord of Change might do a little work on him if I get in there. So, um, but no, I definitely played more towards holding the points and trying to keep my small stuff out of uh, Castellan fire because uh, unfortunately the, the downside of the enlightened that I love so much is man Castellans just eat them for breakfast that plasma cannon and those um, the shield breaker cannons are just brutal against them yeah anything with more than one damage right you're just you really just are falling back on that five up in bone. yeah yeah I mean and and that's again one of the, the the pros and cons of running two groups is that you can't keep them both buffed right so right. If you can hide one, it's fine. But if you have both out in the open, you, you're just never going to save them both. So the the interesting thing that I haven't heard very much said about was the terrain at LVO. Did you have trouble hiding your Enlightened uh, with the terrain that we had? Yes, uh, 100%. 
Uh, I didn't play on every type of map. Um, I think I played out, uh, I had four unique map, uh, uh, terrain types out of my six games. And if I wasn't playing on the map with the giant, one of the, one of the giant buildings in the middle, I think there were two or three options there. Yeah. Um, they, they're just too tall. They're the, nothing but a, a full size two story building can hide them. And then of course, in a two story building, you can see through the top window. So it has to be solid if it's that big and there was just mm. nothing for it. It's kind of a downside to them. Yeah, it's a very tall unit, and uh, uh, sadly, it's one of their little sort of more subtle weaknesses is their height. <laughs> yeah. So, how did uh, how did that match end up playing out? Um, so he one of the weird things about this list is he brought um, gosh, one of the, the Mechanicus Cataphron units. There's there's two different ones. I can't remember the difference. There's like destroyers and something Rangers. else. And he, he brought the Breachers and some Rangers, and it looked like he had um, four of the uh, Arquebuses, so he could kind of snipe you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, which, I, you know what, in my experience, I've, I've, I play a lot of Imperium in my local um, uh, circles here, and I've never been afraid of Arquebuses against, like, Armon and stuff. I've never just been surprised by them, so I wasn't too worried about that. But he put those uh, breachers just right up on the line. We did. We drew the the table quarters with the nine inch circle in the middle. That's Ooh. no man's land, and he just put them right up on the edge, and that kind of threw me off. I was like, well, if he's going to be that aggressive with them, I I, I need to fight for the middle a little bit, and uh, try to clear out everything that isn't a knight uh, pretty mm -hmm. quick. Um, and so it got real real bloody real real quick. Um, you got first turn and. Course, he just deletes uh, one of the, the sets of enlightened and starts thinning out uh, some of my other units. But uh, fortunately, he did focus the uh, Lord of Change. The unnamed Lord of Change is just shockingly tanky, and and I think almost every single one of my opponents I played completely underestimated that. They put a lot of firepower into him, and he's got three up saves. So yeah, most. Care. <laughs> and, and for those who are just kind of, you know, following along, you got to that three up, I take it, by taking the impossible robe. That's correct. I So in every single game um, at LVO, he's, he's, he's the warlord. He runs the negative one in, uh, from all incoming uh, uh, sources of damage warlord trait and give him the impossible robe to improve, to, to improve his save by one. So he's rocking a, three, a, a permanent three up save all damage reduced by one, so he's just doesn't care about Ludas or Reaper auto or the um, Avenger auto cannons, um, any of that stuff. So it, it does a lot of work, man. And you know the thing I didn't think about with that is that um, even though they capped the warp surge stratagem, that mm. by by using the impossible robe, I think that without the stratagem drops you to the three up. Without the stratagem, that's correct. And so that frees up the other one that you could throw if they decide, well, I'll shoot Kairos. Um, yes. So that's kind of that's kind of really nice there. Yeah, and it came up a lot. Um, uh, anytime somebody like a, a lot of times, I had um, opponents picking Kingslayer on Kairos because you know they identified he's the softer one. But if they're like like a Tau or Knights in this case, it's like, well, I only have to protect him during the shooting phase. I'll spend that two CP once. If you can threaten me in two phases, it starts getting expensive. But right. in only one, uh, yeah, I'll warp search him four turns, you know, if I have yeah. to. 
you got plenty of command points to do it too. You could just, I mean, you've got what, 13 you're starting the game with? Yeah, well, um, I do a lot of deep striking. So I usually start off with, with nine or 10. That still feels pretty good. Plus, if I feel like I need them, I can, I can cut back on deep strikes and, and have a few more points to start. That's really cool. So you found that most people would either try to shoot Kairos or they would just underestimate how, how good the save and the, and the amount of damage reduction there was on the, uh, the unnamed Lord of Change. Yeah, and, and you know, placing him very aggressively. Um, I, I, maybe that didn't give the the the, the impression. Like, I, maybe I was th I was worried they would be like, well, if he's putting him up front, he's you know, uh, obviously a, a prime target, and maybe I shouldn't shoot him because Kairos is always kind of hanging out in the back, kind of taking advantage of that thirty six inch smite, or you uh -huh. know, casting some more buffs or like gaze of fate and things like that. But they, I maybe it's just really intimidating. Have a giant bird demon on the front lines. You, you want to get rid of it immediately? I don't know, but. Definitely. Well, it's definitely it's definitely different when you have two of those the the big birds show up and uh, you're you're staring two of them down on the table and I think you'd look at it and you'd think well at least it's not Magnus but I you know I almost think looking at this you've got uh, you've got a really interesting combo there where it's that's probably a lot harder to deal with than Magnus. I think so. I think so. I think there are so many um, armies that can can deal with a threat, and if you can make two big threats, um, like 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 I tried to do in this case, it, it's it's amazing what the psychology of of your opponents and what they try to do to deal with it. And you know, it's sort of my job, uh, you know, running this list is to understand how to take advantage of that in any given situation. And um, Boy, I got <laughs> I got pushed to Delvi. I played six totally different things. So. <laughs> Did you find um, when you talk about the psychological side of it? Um, do you find that when you're when you're setting up your um, or or even just from the deployment aspect, how much of that is going through your head versus just playing to the mission? Yeah, I, you know this edition, and not that I have a lot of previous experience, but the, the deployment phase of that back and forth is—I've always found that to put a lot of pressure on me. Um, and one of the other uh, sort of more subtle things about this list was, you know, I wanted to have a lot more drops that didn't matter to try to get all that information and really try to like win the deployment phase, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm at a good middle point of number of drops versus um, being able to pull that information out of a lot of opponents. Um, but I, I do think that it is a, it, you can win and lose a game in the deployment phase. I absolutely believe that. Not every single game will be this way, but um, you need to be thinking about your strategy almost, almost while you're picking secondaries, but definitely while you're deploying. Does that does a lot of that come down to just knowing the the uh, the army that you're facing and what they want to do? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, there's a level for me. I think there's a level of like, okay, you know, what's what what are the units? What are the stats on those weapons? What's the chapter tactic or you know whatever they call it? Um, but then there's also that extra level of okay, what is their game plan? You know. Uh, you know, like this knight's player. It's like, well, he's got two melee knights, so I think he's going to be super aggressive. He's just going to rush in with everything except the cast one, and I have to have a plan for how to deal with just like a big mess in the middle of the board. Mm -hmm. And and having that that knowledge is is critical. It's, I mean, that's why the, the practice games are so important. Not just because you're learning strengths of the of the list necessarily, but you're also learning 
gameplay strategies to play against. It, it's really important to remember that you're playing against an opponent that, that there's a lot of information there that you need and not just trying to refine what you're doing personally. Right. So you, so your first match, it looks like uh, it was a tie, which is a pretty, pretty hard feat to pull off. Uh, how'd that happen? Yeah, I, I, I cannot explain it. Um, <laughs> and it, it was a high-scoring tie. It's not like we were like 12 and right. 12. It was a really tight game. It was 27-27, if, if my sheet here is right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it's, it was astounding to me. It was, you know, I, I scored a lot of points early. Um, but he, he was killing my army off. So I, I, I tapered off and he started picking up, you know, more, uh, more of the kill more points and he scored really well on secondaries. And there was just like a natural ebb and flow of the game that where we just matched each other. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know how else to, what to describe it to. <laughs> was it, um, so you said you kind of avoided the Knights a little bit. Did it come down to um, that you, you were able to eliminate most of the rest of his um, his admec that he had on the board and the knights just couldn't um, uh, they, they couldn't hold the the objectives or was he kind of with with his killing ability was he kind of keeping up with you in terms of secondaries yeah with with secondaries he definitely uh, he won secondaries I mean he almost made max points there I mean he, he picked butcher's bill he had no problem getting that every turn yeah. um, uh, he, he, he marked uh, things correctly. Um, you know, he, he identified the things that he, he thought he'd have trouble with, the Zangors on uh, foot, uh, Fate Weaver, because he considered it an easier kill, and uh, the Flamer drop. Although I, I did think that one was interesting. I, I'm not, he, I think he over <laughs> worried about what Flamers are going to do against the Knight's Army, but. Right. Um, but, you know, they did have the ability to drop in and, and, you know, kill an infantry squad a turn. So I guess, you know, that's, that's fair enough to be valued. But, yeah, you know, uh, over time, the, uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me, uh, the killing potential of that cast line, I just had nothing to threaten it. I literally ignored it all game and just accepted it's going to kill a unit or, you know, maybe more a, a turn and, and try to simply get hold more. And it, and it looks like, I succeeded on doing that basically every turn up until five, where I, I just started running out of stuff. And mm -hmm. on the very last round, like on, on battle round five, I scored one primary point. I just had, you know, nothing going on. I, I didn't have a lot of terrain to, to hide stuff in. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of killing potential, but both of his knights were so low. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it was the uh the, the those melee option knights. And and on that last round, I did finally finish them both off, which gave me a kill more but not hold more because I just simply didn't have the units I, I was basically down to characters at that point mm -hmm. yeah you kind of it, it's kind of um tough because those Castellans um I had one on me that just kind of I couldn't I, could, I couldn't take it out with the strategy that worked for me all the time and then it was just basically when I whiffed and it survived you know it's kind of rough when they can spend a command point and then act act as if there's no damage on the thing and they just yes. continue to delete stuff all all game long and there's not much you can do about it at that point no no and you know it's funny you mentioned that stratagem i i completely spaced that that was an option for him and i i committed uh my second drop of, of zangors into um uh, it must have had like a dozen wounds left and i was like you know what maybe i can get it down and if i can't kill it you know i'll at least cripple it 
and he just immediately spins that point you know steps out of combat uh, you know shoots a bunch of stuff and then charges back in i was like oh yeah that's uh... you can do that oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, well well that i mean that's kind of a okay i mean at least you come out of your first game and you've and you've scored 27 points which i mean even if you were to take that as a loss that's still that's a good score to walk out of there with which you know yeah, I guess I guess if you're if you've got aspirations to make the top eight, it's kind of a shot to the gut, you know, to start LVO that way. But um, you know, it sounds like your your next match looks like it was um, also a really tall order. Oh man, it was it was bad. Is <laughs> this is probably the worst game I've I've ever played in an ITC format. <laughs> well, at least we're getting this one out of the way here, you know, as a second round, and then we can talk about the good games you had. Um, right. <laughs> Uh, so this one, you're, it looks like you're facing, um, oh, am I reading this right? Salamanders? Yeah. Okay. This, I mean, and, and kudos to this guy who is actually a local player. It is, it is amusing that I, uh, bumped into, uh, one of, one of the local guys, um, <laughs> in round two, but, uh, it's Salamanders and Guard, um, and the Guard are bringing like these Forge World gunships. Um, the Salamanders Battalion brought uh, a drill. We know how good those are. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, he dropped a bunch of scout squads to fill a battalion, but all of them had heavy weapons. Uh, like I think they all had a rocket launcher, and a, and a couple of them had a heavy bolter, um, so they can do those. Um, oh, it's Hellfire rounds and flak missile. I think strategies. Yeah. yeah. So he's making good use of his codex. Yeah, I, I was really impressed by um, how the, 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 like, how everything worked together in his list. He's got the Salamanders, that's like a, a drop squad with Meltas, and of course he's running Vulcan, so there's that, that synergy. The drill itself mm-hmm. is amazing and has a Melta gun, so Vulcan buffs that. And then all the scout squads with the, their um, uh, stratagems. And then the guard did guard things, yeah. The gunships yeah, are it doesn't help that it's Cadians too. So, of course, that's going to be a matchup. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I talked about it a little bit, and I think most Chaos players agree, and we're super biased, but I, you know, hate stratagems are just their thing, and uh, they're really good. Yep. <laughs> so, how did the? Uh, how did it? How, we'll, we'll try not to dwell on this one too much, but how, how, did, how did it end up playing out? Was he just, was it just too much a uh, threat for you to, to take? Yeah. You know, it was just a perfect storm. Um, we got hammer and anvil deployment. So I'm as far away from them as possible. Yep. Um, we have a uneven table. I, I will say this, this, this game frustrated the most with terrain. It did have the nice big building in the middle, but the corners were uneven where um, on hammer and anvil, one of the corners had two large two-story buildings and the other side had a a small one-story building and the other corner just had a like a billboard type sign which doesn't block line of sight <laughs> i know the exact table setup you're playing on and i i had the same problem and in my game it was against orcs and i drew the, the side of the table with no cover yeah it's awful i was and i was just looking at it when we were doing setup and going this is awful. I cannot possibly play on that side. And we rolled hammer and anvil and he won the pick and he picked the good side. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. Um, and then wins the roll off to go first. So he's got the good side of the board. He's in the perfect position for his army versus mine. 
Andy gets to go first. And of course, he's taken the relic of Lost Cadia. So he just oh, of course. obliterates on turn one. I, I can't get over it. I'm, I'm, I am shocked we do not see more of these vulture gunships putting out like 40 shots, strength five. Um, I'm not sure why, why every guard player isn't running one or two of these. It is an yeah, intensive firepower. Yeah. Yeah, because they have what two? They have two twin Punishers on them. That's pretty. And then they put a couple heavy bolters on there as well. Because why not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they they usually hit on fives because they're flying around. But you know, hey, put those shots out there. And then if you're rerolling everything, who cares? <laughs> I guess the only downside is they're they're at 320 points, and you're getting dang close to Fire Raptor cost at that at that point. So I guess you're kind of paying for it a little bit. Well, now, I, if the 320 might pay for both of those. I don't think that's one of them. Oh, I see what you're, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at his list. You're right. It's times two. I missed that. So yeah, that that's is. Another thing. It's a flyer squadron, so it's only one drop. Uh, so it keeps his drop list low, and you can't mark them unless you want to kill the whole squadron. So oh, if you, that's clever. So you mark them. You kill one of them, and the other one flies off into the corner, drops into hover, and says, good luck. <laughs> That's really clever. Oh, it, it's um, a genius list. I, props to that, my opponent. He, he was incredible. It, it seems like an amazing list. Wow. Well, we'll have to be on the lookout for vultures. Yeah. Be careful, guys. <laughs> and if you see them, shoot them out of the sky, because, oh, my gosh, 40 shots per vulture, and you can put the uh, – you know, we have to worry about Vengeance for Cadia. Of course, you're going to put that on one of them every turn. 40 shots, re-rolling everything. Oh, man. That's, that's ridiculous. And they're, they're, they're hard to hit, right? So you're minus one to hit on them? Uh, yeah, as long as they're, they're, they're like the Fire Raptor, if everyone's familiar, Storm Raven. They can, they can hover and lose that rule. But by default, yes, yeah. they're minus one to hit. Man, and and cool. 14 rules, I want to say, they're, they're not small either. So the one thing that I've always found playing Chaos um, is one of the hard things we struggle with is flyers in general. Because if you look mm. across the army, there, there are things we have access to that we can take for flyers, but they tend to be really expensive. So, you're, I mean, you're looking at things like Sakarans, or um, you could take the Deradio Dreadnought, which, which might work a little bit, but... Mm, you know, yeah. the, those things all they all sit around that 200 point range and it's it's kind of funny because the 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 thing that has been coming down in price is the hell drake and that's yeah. about the only thing that kind of has that niche where it could go after a flyer but um aside from that we just don't have it's kind of like if you bring flying demon princes it's almost like you just you might get one chance to charge in and then you spend the rest of the game just chasing them around, uh, trying to kill them. And I, I think of the Eldar Flyers being, you know, the quintessential, you know, nightmare matchup for us. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and the, the other crazy the, the thing that makes it worse, because Demon Princess is my go-to in my head. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do to pull a, a flyer out of the sky? Well, Flying Demon Prince does work on them. Yeah, they do. But uh, Hemlocks make us a little sad, because that auto-hitting uh, Overwatch... And um, it turns out uh, Astro-Militarium Flyers can um, take uh, defensive gunners as a, a stratagem. It's not just for tanks. So that Vulture with 40 shots can hit you on fives in Overwatch. Oh, boy. It's not super funny either. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're really only left with, like, smites or, you know, 
I guess if you bring that anti-error thing or um, or Chaos Space Marines, maybe you're guesting them in and you can take flak missiles, but uh, yeah. think, of, think of with my Thousand Suns hat on, I, I'm not quite sure what the answer is there yet. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, Enlightened, I think, helped bridge the gap. I've had some success in the past with that. Um, but other than that, I, you're, you're right. I mean, Derrideos are okay. Um, and Demon Princes are, are the, the fallback. Right. Well, so kind of kind of patching that one up and I can I can empathize with you because I faced <laughs> Dellen and Cadians in oh no round three day one uh and um that was the one that I whiffed on the Castellan so that was uh yeah that oh. it's kind of like uh flashbacks when you go against uh uh you know Cadians and you just you you realize how bad it hurts you know when <laughs> they decide they're gonna go win the game so I know. You know, I, I run into them so rarely, even though I play a lot of guard players here. Um, I, I forget, you know, I won't play one for a couple months and I'll play one and they'll just, you know, shoot me half off the board in the first turn. And I'll go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I wish you were catechins. <laughs> so, so your third game uh, went a lot better uh, after that brutal start. Um, and at least you had a really good end to your first day. Um, and you're going up against, uh, looks like Yanari. Oh yeah, which I was, I, I gotta say, the, the, I was feeling pretty salty about this. Coming off the, the guard list, uh, Yanari I consider one of my worst matchups. Um, maybe the worst, uh, although it's hard to say that after that, <laughs> that guard stomp, but um, I've, I've traditionally had a, quite a bit of trouble with, especially the list, the Dark Reapers are just impossible to get to. Spears mm -hmm. are yeah, hit and miss. I'm not too worried about them, but Overall, oh, I was I was feeling a little dark going into game three. <laughs> but the interesting thing is you get into this, you look at this guy's list, he's running your brain, and you're thinking, oh, okay, where are the Reapers? And I, I don't see him on here. Yeah, no, I when, I when I started going over his list, he actually he gave me a printed list, which I much prefer. Uh, I, I love seeing him uh, in big print. I'm just reading it and looking at him. I'm going, huh, so no Reapers, no Spears? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going for something a little different. I'm like, Okay, I don't, I don't want to laugh or anything, but I'm really excited all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, and there's in if I'm reading right, there's also no shining spears in here either, right? Yeah, he 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 took out the two key elements um, and kind of replaced them. Uh, he 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 ran a, a pretty heavy Drukari uh, detachment, which is not unheard of. I think a lot of Unari players are are, are testing out Barats, uh, right? Specifically, yeah. Um, and he's got he's got the, some racks in there. But basically his teeth that he's replaced with spears are these giant shining spear, or not shining spear, dire avengers mm -hmm. or storm guardians. Oh man, Eldar units. Storm guardians. They're like 20 man, double yeah. heavy weapons platform each. And I'm just looking at it going, okay, it's a little intimidating, but I think Zangors eat these. <laughs> yeah, um, the guardian guardian defenders, the bit, two big guardian defender units. Yeah, that what yeah. What you were talking about? Yeah. That's the one, Guardian Defenders, okay. Um, he's also got Night Spinners, which are like a, a mortar platform, which seem pretty good, generally speaking. Not They, mm -hmm. they turned out the crap out on him a little bit in this game, but um, just so a, a lot of craft world stuff that I wasn't really familiar with. So the the match you, you guys end up, end up drawing, um, was it if i'm looking at this he doesn't 
aside from the aside from it looks like a far seer on a bike and a warlock on a bike uh, mm -hmm. am i I apologize for just doing my best to, to read this, but, um, uh, you know, from a mobility standpoint, I'm looking at this and it kind of looks like it's in your favor here. Yeah. He's, he's real slow. He, the, he's got the characters on bikes, but of course they're not going to get flying around anywhere. Um, he's also got, um, I believe he, he, there's a deep strike stratagem for the, the guardian defenders. So he did, uh, he, did he did deep strike one of them. Um, but I, I just, I mean, with 30 brimstones, you can cover half a board. <laughs> so, uh, I just filled up and, and, uh, basically, uh, we drew, drew table quarters again. Um, and he just, he was stuck in his corner. I, I was in mine, but certainly not stuck there and, and just wrapped around everything. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I gotta say like, you know, the grots can do some work. Um, I definitely don't want to get Zangor's, uh, mixed up in with grots, but, getting them wrapped around the edges. Um, I believe on uh, turn three, on turn one, I, I dark mattered crystalled into one of the empty corners, just away from everything and out of line of sight. Um, I dropped the Terminator Sorcerer over there, turn two and spin a command point to give him warp time. And I just like flank these Zangors around without like deep striking and charging them oh, and just nice. got them. I got him around the back lines and just got him into his mortars and some of the, um, one of the characters, I think it was the Farseer on the bike. And now he's, he's fighting two fronts and you never want to be in that, in that spot. And that's a really good move because Zangors do really good against characters. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, please, when you, if you're hearing this and you're running Zangors, do not forget about the Relic Hunters rule. I did it for such a long time playing this list or playing this army Everybody forgets about it. The Zangor's reroll all hits against characters all the time. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and it's not just once. It's all failed hits. It's yes. wonderful. It, it's so easy to forget that, but I, it came up so many times at, at, at LVO for me. I mean, wrapping an engine here, wrapping a warlock, right. uh, getting into company commanders, uh, orc war bosses. Uh, there's just so many cases. Uh, don't forget knights. Knights are often characters. Yep. Yep. They, they take a relic. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. So it sounds like you were pretty easily um, in control of that match, where you know you basically were able to. You're already starting in a good deployment. You can take the middle. He doesn't. He doesn't have the movement really, except for the deep strike, which it sounds like you had a plan for. Um, you got behind him. You were flanking him. Um, so from there, it sounded like you just kind of picked him apart and took control of the board at that point. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I committed a lot of stuff that um, he, had, he had marked. He, he, he marked some odd things. Um, he picked the Mutalith Vortex Beast, and I actually had a building in the middle, towards the middle, that I could basically hide him in, at least hide him from Storm Guardians. Uh -huh. So I played real cagey with him. He picked Flamers. I dropped him in on turn two, but I, you know, I just kept him like dancing around the edges, uh, uh, shooting racks at max range, and just trying to keep them out of... Uh, out of the way of those uh, guardian defenders. And um, he picked Kairos. Kairos just hung out in the back. Um, he, uh, I did end up flanking him, which is interesting. 
I, I did finally get a, uh, a Treason of Zinch off on a Warlock on Bike, which was hilarious in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> just take control of a weak character and charge them into something like uh, Seven Grots and see what happens. <laughs> Bravo. And you and the leadership on those guys is seven, eight? I believe it was eight. Um, I did actually have to spend the CP to make the leadership roll, but it was definitely worth it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. the Grotz, I mean, if you think about it, or if, if you haven't tried it before, they have to fight. So if you if you charge him in there, he doesn't have an option to just kind of stand there and, you know, wave at his own guy. Like, they have yeah. to fight the Farseer. That's true. And I, and I guess I should say that specifically. I think a lot of people look at mind control and it's like, cool, I want to mind control a smash captain and throw him back into a, you know, a knight or some Bulgarian or something. And yeah, that that's cool if you can pull that off. But you can also pick a weak character and charge him into something stronger in your opponent's list and your opponent's unit has to fight and probably kill the weak unit. So right. it's, a, it's a very great strategy that's probably overlooked. I probably overlook it too. I, I forget especially running Kairos, who has every spell. I just kind of forget that that's an option. Um, and it can, it can be a game changer, potentially. I always like to try and take Gaze of Fate so that I have a second way to re-roll that leadership test. So if I need to re-roll both, I've kind of got that in my back pocket there. That's a fair call, too. Um, now, now that it's, it's, it's been made abundantly clear that Gaze of Fate's re-roll both, having the option to re-roll one or both uh, dice on a, on a two-dice check is... Uh, it gives you options. Yeah, it definitely your your percentages. If you think of it like a charge, I always, that's what I always think about. Um, that I've got to make up like a nine inch charge, um, mm. you know, that or sorry, a ten inch charge or nine inch charge with a braid horn. Um, you, you you forget about the the odds exponentially or not exponentially, but increasing for you much better when you can roll one or both. Uh, versus just you have to roll both or um, you have to uh, uh, you can only roll one of them that kind of thing so you, you kind of yeah. get better probability at that point yeah I definitely tried to work the math on that at one point and it went over my head kind of quick and I was like you know what I'll just trust that Julia. <laughs> <laughs> so day one uh, ends pretty solidly for you i think one of the things that lvo surprised that surprised me about lvo is just how draining it is um even even though it's just mm. one more game than your typical weekend grand tournament um mm -hmm. you know what how were you feeling after the day was it draining oh absolutely um you know and i i, I gotta say like i got a full night's sleep the the night before uh i i ate pretty well i mean i ate a little fast but i, I ate well um I stayed pretty well hydrated and I still felt exhausted at the end of three games. There was just no help in that. <laughs> and, and, you know, part of it might be the climate. Uh, that's, I think, you know, again, something that's a little subtle, little detail of being in Las Vegas, you're in the desert, it's dry. And, yeah. and, and even with water intake, if you're not used to that, I mean, I'm, I'm up in the Northwest, it's, there's water, we can catch water out of the air up here. Like it's a very different experience. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I went straight to bed. I know a lot of people go out and have fun, and there's a lot of cool things to do in Vegas, a lot of cool people to do it with at LVO, but I could not do it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, it, well, it looks like it, it worked for you, though, because day two was a great day for you. Um, I mean, right away, you looking at your scores here, I mean, you just kind of ramped it up each game, which is really impressive. Um, so your fourth game here, it looks like um, you drew um, – uh, 
more space marines. Yes, uh, I thought that was quite amusing. I, you know, I, I, I think most Thousand Suns players are like, oh, cool, power armor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <My favorite. laughs> rubbing their hands together, especially if they have uh, Inferno Bolter somewhere in their list. You know, they, rubbing, uh, rubbing their hands together like, oh, this will be fun. Oh gosh, you know, it's, it's sort of side note. I, I've got a buddy of mine that's uh, locally that's a Space Wolves player, so of course we've got a, a healthy uh, uh, 40k relationship. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, we were after the beta bolts rules dropped. We were like, "Hey, let's just let's just write two thousand point list that puts as much power armor as we can, you know, in a list, and let's throw them together and and just you know see how it feels. It'll it'll be a little bit more uh, low key than than a tournament level list, you know." And uh, turns out, two thousand points of rubrics and scarab occult terminators blow power army <laughs> power army uh, armor armies just out of the water it was completely one-sided for a while i was just like huh this didn't end up being a very fair matchup at all <laughs> this is kind of where i've been thinking that um with you know one of the things i know we saw in lbo was the increased use of death watch and i've been yeah. trying to really harp on the fact that well if people are going to run lots of death watch um thousand sons can handle death watch pretty easily uh, you've got death hex you know they like to take storm shields in those kill team squads and bring them down and you know as long as you can weather that that storm of of, of fire that they bring down those those ap2 bolters death hex a unit and smite the other unit or you know throw some mortal wounds on them um you can take care of those guys pretty quick yeah it, it it's shocking though good especially since one of the death watch lists i've seen pop up a few times has the deathwing knights which are very scary in melee but very bad at eating smites <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no this was um um but yeah for for round four uh, uh lots of stern guards so expensive power armor yeah tacticals or devastators it was a very interesting take on the gilly gun line and it looks like he had some uh some predators as well yeah he ran quad predators and I, you know, props to him, man. I, I try, I've ran triple predators, uh, I don't know, four or five months ago at an RTT or two. And um, he was making them work. Granted, if they could reroll hits and wounds, my predators would have done much better. But <laughs> And they have, uh, I believe they have kill shot too, right? They do have kill shot. Um, it is important to note. I, I didn't know this at the time. My opponent was very kind in letting me know. He ran four. When I say he ran four, he ran three standard Space Marine out of the Codex Predators, and he ran one Demos pattern out of Forge World. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and the Demos pattern ones are apparently not valid for the kill shot stratagem. You have That's to right. run them out of the Codex. I didn't know that. And, and yeah, I think it's because they have. Um, uh, when you look at the the key the the wording on it, it says a. Um, it'll say a chaos predator as in the unit, kind of like the Hellbrute stratagem says a, a chaos oh, yeah. Hellbrute versus the Hellbrute keyword. And that was why they had to clarify that you can't use the, the Hellbrute fire frenzy stratagem on the uh, the dreadnoughts, the, the Contemptor, the Doridio, and the Leviathan, even though that those three dreadnoughts have the Hellbrute keyword. Yeah, I didn't think about that. that that's interesting. And, yeah. and to, I'd trade them that. They can have Demos Predators have kill shot if my Contemptors could have fire. <laughs> this, this guy really likes his Predators. So, yeah. hey, more power to them. They, they, they were excellent. I, I got to say, ma uh, massing uh, the uh, Predator autocannon, I, I bet he, he has had some pretty good uh, experience with it. it it's, it's just in a really good spot 
really high damage. Uh, just enough. The minus one AP is a sweet spot, I think. Um, you know, it makes the the high toughness targets use their uh, armor save instead of their invuln. You know, things right. like the custodes or knight or what have you. And um, you know, and if it's a vehicle, if it, he's shooting at something like a knight, those those auto cannons are doing four damage because of kill shot. That is right. no joke. Right, and you only need like a couple of them to go through, and lo and behold, you've got eight damage done to something that just knocks chunks out of stuff. Yeah, and, and that was my experience. Unfortunately, um, the Lords of Change are monsters, and, and uh, kill shot works against monsters. So uh, I had two yeah. giant uh, targets for him to swish cheese. <laughs> so did he end up having pretty good success against the Lord of Change then? Um, he he had the mo he had the best. I will say one thing. Um. The only person who was able to kill the Lord of Change, the unnamed one, on turn one was the guard player. Every, the, the two other opponents, including this one, tried. And I believe this one, um, he got first turn, and he put everything into that Lord of Change, and he came out with uh, three or four wounds remaining. Wow. Um, and, you know, there's some luck there, but, I mean, it is a pretty limited number of shots going up against the three-up um, Invuln, and that's uh, that math checks out. I'm, I was okay with him choosing to do that. Um, I think he target focused a little. One of his the, probably the biggest mistakes he made was putting at literally everything into that Lord of Change and failing because he did not get kill one on turn one because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that has happened to me plenty of times, and it's a it's kind of a humbling experience where you realize, well, now I've just given up a point, and if you take old school, well. Now I failed to kill something and it's like a, you know, a double whammy you face where you, you, you lose multiple points on what could have been a very good round for you. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, yeah. And, and, and he did take old school. So that's a uh, two, possibly three points. Uh, you know, it, it, he's losing kill more for sure. So. Yeah. And that's just points out the window, right? Like you can't recover that old school point. You have to kill something that first turn. That's so that point is gone forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's intense, and you know, honestly, again, this I think this was just a bit of a mistake on my opponent's part. I mean, there there was probably something he could pick up, and that's sort of a, maybe the lesson to take away is always have some sort of secondary target that you know that you you know what maybe maybe you have to put a few last cannon shots into cultists or something, but don't worry about it. It's worth the point. <laughs> now, when you when you are facing that yourself and that's your plan, do you try to take that secondary target out first, uh, just to to have it in the bag? Yeah, you know, it's weird. I, 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 I take so little shooting in my list. I'm, I may be a bad example, but um, there's certainly been cases where I've had to commit, for example, like both sets of uh, Enlightened into uh, some uh, one unit rather than splitting fire and, and, and going for the high rolls. Um, I think what it comes down to more from my personal experience is getting that uh, turn one charge off with Zangors and trying to decide okay, I could throw a lot of units, uh, um, you know, or try to wrap something valuable like a Predator, for example, um, or I can put a lot more bodies into like, oh, something like a guard squad and, and secure that kill. And it's always worth overkilling. You know, if you, if you can do the quick math and figure out, you know, what, what the average number of attacks required to kill a guardsman squad is, uh, add 50% because it is absolutely worth that kill point. <laughs> So the game kind of ended up kind of becoming a route there, I would imagine, um, once you were 
once you're able to kind of weather that first storm, I would imagine you probably had some Zangors over onto him and, uh, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're in smite range and you can, you can start targeting stuff pretty quick. Yeah, I, I definitely took advantage of the fact he seemed to be really focused on the big targets and uh, kind of played on against the flanks since he castled up. I mean, he, he's basically holding it. We got Dawn War deployment, but he, he basically only took a corner and uh, just surrounded him. Uh, the, you know, he had the stern guard screens, but they melted in just a few turns. Um, I think it actually took me three to completely kill them, but that was with me holding back because I didn't want too many kill points. Uh, on the previous turns. I, I wanted to be able to meter out and, and ensure I was getting kill points later in the game. Um, but yeah, they posed basically zero threat. I, I imagine you took Mark for Death on them. You know what? I really should have. This was the game I learned the most about. And 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 this one, you know, was a was a punch in the gut because towards the end he was starting to come back on me. Uh -huh. I scored I scored very poorly in the last two turns. And um, I kept focusing in on the fact that I picked Big Game Hunter as a secondary, and I know that my list is not good at killing tanks. I should oh. never have done it. I picked Big Game Hunter, and I scored zero points in it. And I knew that. I should have known that going into it. So, um, yeah, I got a little close towards the end. I, I, I should have just killed off all of his infantry and, and backed off, but, um, you know, I played a little more aggressively. I went for uh, a bonus points, and... Um, Luckily, I was able to hold the lead, but it, it did get really tight towards the end. It ended up only being a four-point game, even though by, on turn three, it looked like it was a total rout. So that, that brings up an interesting question, because um, when I've been playing it, one of the differences I saw at LBO versus GTs was that my games at LBO felt much closer. Even in the games that um, either I was losing or even the ones that I won, the game still felt a lot closer than it really was at the end. Did you kind of get the same feeling? Absolutely. Um, I was really happy. Uh, uh, I think all but one of my, well, all but two of my games went all six rounds. It was very quick. Um, one of one of the two games that didn't go, his opponent conceded. Um, and the, the last one was simply, um, it was game six. I, I think we were both just a little tired, but mm -hmm. uh, it, it was clear what, what was happening. We, we talked out the last round and, uh, you know, we, we sorted out the scoring for it, but um, the 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 intensity of play was much higher than I've ever experienced uh, in, in my local events, and it's cool. It's a really amazing feeling, but it does lead to some some sloppy play, I think. And I, I definitely caught myself doing that here and there. Yeah, did you feel that more towards the end, like game five, game six? Yeah, I, I would say my game three and game five and six, it was definitely more pronounced than the others. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely can echo the same thing. I, I actually, in my game six, I merged the psychic phase and the movement phase into one somehow. Wow. And yeah, well, luckily the game was so far in his hands, he he, he was just laughing about it. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, so moving on to game, uh, to game five, um, you drew a matchup that in my testing uh, or, you know, before LBO, this was probably the match that I, and, and if you listen to everybody, they were all worried about orcs, right? Um, yeah. Everybody was talking about the Ludas and just the fact that they could put out an ungodly amount of shots. And, um, hmm. you know, I, I, I always felt like that with the list that I had, I was really worried about. And I faced orcs tw twice in a row and the Ludas oh, just wow. were not a problem for me. Um, hmm. 
how about yourself? I mean, when you face orcs, how did this game go? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I exactly uh, echoed that sentiment as well. I was really worried. I mean, the whole point I added flamers, it was like last minute. I didn't really even get a, I got a practice game, but like I didn't play at any previous RTT with the list as it exists because I, I was just thinking with this many people, there's going to be a ton of work lists. I need a, a little extra something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this game was relatively one-sided. Um and that surprised me a little bit. Uh, I will say that I, I traditionally have a pretty good matchup against Tyranids. And I think of Gene Stillers and Boys, it, they're in the same bucket for me in my, in my head. So I, I was holding out some hope that maybe I, I would perform pretty well. And it, and it, and it looks like I was, I was correct. So um, that is pleasing to see that there is, I feel like uh, Thousand Sons in general are actually in a pretty good place against uh, Orcs in general. Yeah. Um, I had the same. I had the same uh, thing happen in a game where um, uh, my my podcast co-host Mike um, he showed up uh, kind of towards the the end of round one, and uh, my opponent basically had his big mobs of boys on me, and um, I had um, a drill with a couple Rubric Marine squads in it, and Aramon and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and and that was kind of my equivalent of a demon prince kind of walking around my line um, (laughs) and um it looked really bad when you looked at the map it was like yeah your your front line is pretty much going to be gone and i think he came back after like turn three and i was on his side of the board all the boys were gone and it was kind of like yeah yeah that happened uh, wow, <laughs> you, know, you can you can definitely with the um with the bolters with smite um you have to remember you can blow up your rubric sorcerers and stuff like that like you get mm. into close quarters with your rubrics that's they're not good in close combat but in that distance in between especially if you can figure out how to get a couple of those really good flamers in there oh yeah i oh, mean against boys they they do work I, I want. I want to take a, a, after after listening to the podcast and 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 you know we we've talked a little on the forums about about the drills specifically. I'm I'm I want to make warp flamers and drills a thing because those two things are beautiful. <laughs> yeah, they work very well together. Anyway, so get getting back to your match here. Um, so so it sounds like the looters just were no problem. How did how did you deal with that? Um, well, this is another uh, game I went second. I, I believe I actually won the roll-off, but I, I, I've been choosing to go second a little more often um, for just for scoring purposes. Um, Ludas do not do work against Lord of Changes. Um, they're T7. That's that they, they, they want T6 and below. Um, the invuln save were very high, even against Kairos when it came to that in, late, in, in a later turn. Um, warp surge puts him up to three um and at least for my warlord has the minus one damage trait two damage weapons are really poor uh, offensive options against them uh, uh, yeah. uh my opponent got uh i believe he got two shots on the ludas turn one with the double fire um I, I i don't remember the exact number but it was it was just a handful of wounds he got through putting you know all of that into him and, and spending the you know whatever the four or five points for the um the double shoot and the um daka 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 strat yeah. um that was unfortunate for him yeah that that definitely goes into your favor you watch all those str- stratagems just kind of go down the drain yeah um 
honestly, the, the bigger threat, and I was not expecting this because I'm, I'm not super familiar with orcs, um, that shock attack gun or the relic shock attack gun that they can oh, take, yeah. it, it's insane. I, I, I understand that it can roll low. It rolls 2d6 for strength and number of shots, and that, you know, that roll could be a 2 or a 3. But it was not for my opponent. And um, you know, when you're dealing with like 10 shots, strength 10 or strength 8, uh, d6 damage if one sneaks through, Plus, um, the wielder was a goth, and I, their thing is they can reroll a hit damage, uh, hit wound, and damage roll once mm-hmm. each. Uh, just reroll those damage rolls. Uh, it did so much work on both of my of uh, the big birds. It was rough. You nailed it, man. Um, same thing happened to me. I, I cleared the ludas out, and this this one little dude was on the on the roof with the shock attack gun, and. There he is spitting these shots over and my dreads are just like taking these like D six hits. And I'm like, what the heck is that thing? And so I had to basically send my guys on foot to get to him. Uh, yes. You know, he, he had them strategically back behind, behind the Ludas uh, for that matter. And um, yeah, I just can't, I can't help but echo what you just said. I mean, that thing is very underrated. Yeah. And you know, you know, listeners be, be aware of that. It's, Depending on what you're taking, if you don't have any like big targets, um, the shock attack gun might be, it might be worse than the Ludas. <laughs> it was for me. <laughs> and but I guess in the, in the flip side of that, you do have with Thousand Suns, you have a lot of powers that can target characters, and you got that nice twenty four inch range. So if you can get in range there, you do have some stuff to get in and take take whatever's wielding it out pretty easily. It's true, and 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 if you could get the the, the treasonous Zainchop on him and, and get a shooting phase with him. Um, if they're running trucks, uh, if they're uh, running the uh, DACA jets, uh, you can really, you could potentially really turn that around on them. Yeah, for sure. That's a great idea. Yeah. I'll try to remember that uh, next time. My, my answer this time was I, I flooded, he, he had the, the Ludas and he also had a set of flash gets, which I, I wasn't familiar with. Um, sort of in one corner of the board, and I, I focused all of my infantry. I, I dark matter crystal zangers turn one. I dropped them in turn two. Um, all of my enlightened. Uh, I, no, I take that back. One set of enlightened, and the shaman went in that direction, and um, and the rest of my army dealt with uh, three waves of boys. <laughs> and so that pretty much sums up how that game went. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 is that is the long and short of it. I will say one thing too. The interesting thing with boys and with uh, Tyranids and Gene Stealer cults, I, I enjoy these matchups because they, you know, with like the, the jump or a, a lot of cult ambush armies that have a lot of heavy deep strike tend to be really weak against things like Zangor bombs and flamer drops. And like my flamers in this case, like they just cleaned up, dropped them in turn two, and they just killed a unit every turn. They were there was no realistic threat against them at any point. Um, potentially, maybe the Ludas could have been a problem, but I I, I was lucky enough to to tag them turn one with uh, uh, fight twice. Um, mm. uh, like it it was it was an, it was an, it was an impressive route. <laughs> looking back at it, yeah. You know, it's funny because if you do if you do get the chance to break orcs, I have found that they go from that there is no middle ground on that army. They go from all out slaughter to completely lopsided losing. Uh, there's like they don't have a middle ground where they can kind of pull things off. Although, I would I would say that probably 
in the hands of someone like Nanavati or even some of the other like Camperine, some of the top players you see at, at LBO um, mm. might be a, might be a little bit of a different story. But um, for the most part, what I experienced in, in most players I encountered was um, their their the games with them didn't have this middle ground of oh this is going to be real close. It was just kind of you know yeah the tide just turned and then from there it just mm. compounded. Yeah, I, I think that's. You know, it's interesting. I, I think that touches on the thing I've, I've thought about assault armies in general. And I think the difference between really top tier players playing things like orcs is they don't all in. They, they, they do have that middle step strategy where they don't just like, well, I failed and now I lose. They actually have this middle plan of, okay, well, actually now I can regroup. And I think if some players don't have that. And if you're not, if you're not planning to, to have a fallback plan for a failed plan, um, it can go very bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the weird boys add a lot of utility, but they perils fairly frequently due to the way they work. And, uh, you know, uh, there's basically only two demon stratagems and one of them is extra D three wounds on the perils. Um, if you have demons, you have access to this. Don't forget about it. Don't sleep on it. That is potentially six mortal wounds. <laughs> At least one, yeah, at least one of the two stratagems Demon's got is actually pretty useful. Yeah, it, 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 I, I've been surprised how much work it's done. I've killed a Swarm Lord with it. Um, in this particular game, I, I killed a, a Weird Boy with it. It exploded. And also, don't forget, if an enemy Psyker dies to perils, they blow up, so they can take stuff with them. That's right. Um, it's, uh, it's a really solid strat that comes up more than you'd think. You know, it's yeah, that's a really good point. I um, I ended up targeting. You you mentioned the weird boys. Um, I don't have or I didn't have demons as part of my army, so I didn't have access to that stratagem. But I did have the ability to target uh, the big mechs, and I always took the big mechs out because it was essentially just dropping that invuln save off of all the guys that were around it, and um, that that has a huge impact on the army as soon as you lose that, especially if you've got good AP. Yeah, go, going from a five-up invuln to a six-up armor is uh, pretty bad. <laughs> yep. yep. Basically, and that, list is minus one AP, so it's just free damage at that point. That's right. And if you're, I mean, this is this is kind of how that those boys were dealt with in the game that I had, where the big mech goes down, this big mob of boys is standing there, and you've got AP two bolters, and you're in rapid fire range. This is going to hurt. Yeah, no kidding. That's a so. Sweet um, <clears throat> So you moved on to the last match, and you're on a roll, and sure enough, you got a Chaos Mirror match. Yes. So these are always a little wonky. Oh, man. I, I, I've played so few, and every, but every time I do, they're the weirdest games. <laughs> For sure. So uh, it, um, it didn't help also that this is Champions Mission 6, Crucible of Champions, which is... I think for chaos, such a, a, a juicy mission because it's so easy in general for us to get at a point, especially thousand suns. I mean, we're going to be having, we're going to have psychers, we're going to have characters to score that bonus point. Oh yeah. So go, going in the chaos mirror, we're going to be fighting over points even more heatedly. I feel like than normal. That's a good point. So this, uh, so this guy had. It looks like he had a thousand suns. Uh, your your battalion where. He actually did a mix, so he wasn't really getting the... I guess he was taking 
the, the demon princess so that he could get two casts, but he wouldn't have the extended range or any bonuses because he took Brimstone Horrors mm. and Zangors together. Yeah, it sounded like, uh, talking with him, he, it was a mistake when he was building the list mm. and they and didn't catch it, but the, uh, the uh, TOs at the event caught it and told him, hey, this is legal, but you're not Thousand Sons for purposes of faction and uh, you, you, know, you don't get the uh, chapter tactic for Thousand Sons. So oh, it was actually just a mistake. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll get into, um, once, we're, once we're through your, your talking about this game, we'll, we'll probably start um, delving into some of the other topics. And one of the things um, hopefully we can talk a little bit about is like the faction scoring and, and classifications at ITC and that kind of mm. Thousand yeah. Sons kind of gets to be a little bit of a salty topic there. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> so he had he had this thousand his this mixed Thousand Sons attachment, and then mm-hmm. he's got um, a Corn Demons detachment. Uh, he's got a couple Blood Masters. Your your twenty man two twenty man Blood Letter bombs, a ten man Blood Letter unit, um, a couple Skull Cannons, and yeah. like then he rounded it out with some Nurgle Demons with some Nurglings and a big block of plague bearers. So he's got those big minus one to hit tanky plague bearers out there as well. Yep. So it, that can be, that can be kind of tough to deal with. Although for you, it's not that big of a deal because you know, minus one to hit you're going to get <laughs> guys, right? I mean, it's the disgusting resilience is more what you're worried about. It's more, more I'm worried about, but I will say strangely death hex does so much work on plague bearers. You know, you think of oh, it's just a five-up save, but that's it's it's removing half of the barriers to killing a plague bearer. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's very true. Uh, that, that's what I learned from the last mirror match. I, I played a lot of against a lot of nerglings and bloodletters in that matchup, and and so I was bringing a little bit of that knowledge forward. So, I actually felt pretty good about his list. Um, I think the the one thing that I was a little more concerned about was um, I think he's got some pinks in there somewhere. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yes, he does. In the okay. oh wow, so this was kind of yeah. You can tell he 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 definitely did mess up because in his third detachment, he has um, Nurgle and Zinch mixed together. So it's a legit demons detachment, but he's not getting either of the bonuses there. So his he won't get yeah. those nice additional bonus damage points off of the. Uh, Plague bearers, and um, he won't get that really janky, weird Zinch Legion train. That I, <laughs> I still today don't even know what they were thinking when they invented it. Anyways, it's, it's super weird, but uh, I haven't mentioned it yet. But don't sleep on it. Oh man, it did some work for me in some of these games. Oh yeah, I hadn't thought to, th- to, to mention it. I'd totally forgotten, but because I forget to use it constantly. But no less than twice, once against orcs and once against knights, I rolled two sixes for locusts. Oh wow which is that means sixes are missing and uh man that's a nice feeling <laughs> that would be a nice feeling yeah uh, also little little side benefit uh in as they were enlightened are zinch demons because they ride discs they get the demon keyword so they get affected by things like locus of trickery oh that's that's fantastic yeah, i didn't even that's a great point i didn't even think about that Yep, they get morale from Lord of Change, and they get locus of uh, trickery if they're in melee. It's it's kind of big. <laughs> Bravo! Yeah. So uh, so how did this match play out? Um, you know, he, he brought the bloodletter bombs. He do, he deep struck the pinks. I'm in uh, yeah, I'm in screen territory. 
brimstones and cultists did nothing but make walls in the backfield for me. I mean, I made some cute little geometric patterns and put everything else on the front line. Um, uh, yeah, deep strokes, angors, DMC'd them turn one, uh, the other set turn one. Lord of Change went to the middle to hold the middle point because I didn't, I just didn't think he had anything in his list that could kill a Lord of Change. Mm. Um, so I, I just put them on that point. Um, to contest for the bonus because the, the bonus in this is have a character within scoring range of uh, uh, three different objectives. So you don't have to be owning the point with the character. You just have to be within scoring range of it. So I just put the Lord of Change in the middle of the table. I uh, yeah, flank yeah. on, uh, do this, this thing I've been doing in a lot of these games where I, I split the forces and flank on two sides. And um, it really was just a, it, it turned into a, a, a slug, slug match. Like the, the first turn was pretty quiet. I actually deep struck Zangwars into a far corner, similar to the Ultramarines thing where a uh, game where I've just put them in a far corner. They do literally nothing. Turn one, I don't even try to charge them out and then walk uh, foot slog them up into uh, a position. In this case, trying to take one of the uh, edge objectives um, where I know he's going to put a character. And on the other side, Kairos kind of led the charge and um, uh, with uh, uh, Zangor enlightened and then turn two, he dropped everything and it just, <laughs> it turned into a ballroom blitz as the song goes. <laughs> um, yeah. Blood letters went down on Kairos and did unimpressive damage. Pinks came down to try to clear the Lord of change in the middle. Um, I saved uh, one of the critical things in the chaos v chaos matchup is your denies the psychic phase and 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 both sides of that is so important to to determine i'd say against Eldari as well determine what the key spells are and save your really good denies like Aramon or Lord of Change or Magnus and use that high roll uh, uh deny against uh the key spells uh in this matchup I was scared uh i didn't want him to get minus one to hit from one of the the demon princes. I didn't want him to have Gaze of Fate, and uh, I didn't want him to have Miasma Pestilence on the on the um, Plague Bears if I could avoid it. And the big one was don't let him get Flickering Flames on the Pinks. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I I denied it to both turns he tried, and uh, that that was a really big uh, a game changer where he's not getting those critical buffs that he needs to to really put damage on me. What about Death Hex? I would think that if I was trying to target something, I might think, oh, geez, if I Death Hex the Lord of Change, um, yeah, oh, getting, I should be able to get past that, right? That That's true. And um, I would have saved a, a deny for that, but I don't think he got it off once, unfortunately. <laughs> Didn't have to worry about it. I, I got a little lucky there. Warp Charge 8's uh, pretty tough sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he he did have he even had uh, the high magister warlord trade on one of the demon princes to get that plus one and, and it just didn't work out for him which is pretty unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of figuring that once the blood letters kind of whiff there, you're I mean the demon princes are really the only things he's got aside from the zangors that you can dispatch pretty easily. Um, it, it's really all he's got to really punch at you. It's kind of it's kind of like if you weather those and it sounds like you weather them just fine the game is pretty much just clean up at that point. Nothing else is really going to hurt you. Yeah. I, I was a little surprised by that too. Um, I really thought the blood letters would do more work, but um, you know, he didn't have the rel. There's like a relic for mortal wounds or something like that. I can't remember now, 
but he, he was really just relying on the on the weight of attacks with those power swords and you know invulns don't care about that that's right and, um yeah he dropped everything in um like i said he, he dropped about uh, 40 uh blood letters on on kairos alone he dropped uh, the other 10 in the zangors against the lord of change in the middle demon princes went towards the lord of change in the middle and everything basically whiffed. He, he couldn't put more than a few wounds on Kairos. Lord Change, actually, again, we're in, in two damage weapon territory because both Demon Princes are uh, Malefic Talons. Great weapon against anything but something that takes minus one damage against you. <laughs> and that minus one damage, if I remember right, it works against mortal wounds too. So if you, if you take like, am, am I remembering that correctly? Um, it is, that that is uh, and not unfortunately because the way that mortal wounds are allocated are one at a time and not as a bunch. Oh, so minus one damage actually doesn't work on mortal wounds, unfortunately. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking. I'm thinking that the, they would have been like D three mortal wounds, and it's not. It's not D three damage. It's just individual wounds that are applied. Yeah, yeah. Mortal wounds are in a weird, weird spot. So that <laughs> might that might be another way you get into that. To beyond just thinking about getting through that three up invuln or things you got to worry about those smites. Um, yeah, but, you know, unfortunately with <laughs> with him not being Thousand Suns, he's increasing smite each time he he does that. Uh, Correct. And that, 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 was, that, it, that was really relevant because at first he definitely tried to keep up with the more standard plan of I'm going to get all my buffs off. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to get case of fate. You know, he, he, he didn't, I don't think he even cast Smite turn one. Um, he just had, all, you know, all of these other plans. In later turns, he was realizing, oh, I, I need to get more wounds down. And with, with Smite going up every time and, and having denies ready for, for the critical ones, like, oh, I really don't want you to Smite that Lord of Change, so that Smite I'm going to try to deny. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, I, I, was, I was able to really control the Psychic phase. It, it's something that two Lords of Change kind of afford you. If, if you've got two healthy Lords of Change uh, and one of them is Kairos, you've got five plus two denies. Aramon gives you three more plus ones. It's, it's pretty overwhelming. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so it really came into play for this matchup for sure. I mean, there was, I, I, he got very few psychic powers off uh, over you know four or five turns of, of having m- multiple casters on the board. Yeah, that's definitely a big advantage you've got because you've you've got plus two on the Lord of Change, plus two on Kairos, plus one on Aramon. You've you've got and those are that plus two is a lot. I mean that's a that's a big bonus. Oh, it's an insane amount. I, I've I have not. I don't think it was in uh, this. But I think in the RTT before LVO, I denied a, a double six perils because it's like, well, it's twelve, but I can go to fourteen, so I might as well try. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, Plus two, it cannot be slept on. It is enormous bonus. Well, so that kind of wrapped up. That looks like you scored really well on that game too. That was uh, one of those big uh, 30, 39, almost, almost perfect game for you. Yeah, I, 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 got, I got bonus. Um, I only missed it round two, and I missed it. It was a mistake on my part. I moved a Shaman away from the point. I could have gotten it that turn. And I didn't get it on six because uh, my opponent was tabled, so you, yep. you, don't, you don't score it at that point. Nothing you can do about that. Yeah, you know, hey, that, one point away from perfect. And this is not one point, but if, if it was one point away from perfect, I think you'd be okay with that. <laughs> that's, but that's definitely got to be a good a good note to end on, especially when you realize, geez, you finished 60, your top 70 at LVO. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, man. 
I, I, it, it was a really intense feeling. It took me a minute to, to kind of like take it all in because it's funny because after the game, you know, it, it, it's one of those things I, I always try to catch up on my phone to make sure I haven't missed anything important. And one of my friends had sent me a message saying like, Oh my gosh, you're like 130th. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> but I didn't realize he had sent it from the previous game. <laughs> so I was like super stoked to be 130th. And then I checked later and was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Top a hundred. Top a hundred. I, I could not have, I wanted to go three and three, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, for, for anybody who hasn't gone to LVO, I mean, it's, 600 people that are in the tournament, even though they might list seven, 800 people registered, but you have about 600 and something from what I heard Reese say. And mm. that many people to be in the top 100 is a very, it, it's not easy at all. Um, it, and it's not, it's not easy to be able to go, um, you know, what four and one you need to be able to at least do to, to, to make it in there. And, mm. um, I, I know multiple people that go to GTs down here that went to LVO and, you know, at the GTs here, they tend to go, you know, four and one and they're always up there in the top 20 or so in those GTs mixing it up. And they went to LVO and it was like day one, they've already had a loss. And it's kind of one of those things where, you, you know, you're realizing how, how good the level of competition is there. It's true. I, I, I was, I was really surprised by that as well. Just, for the same reason, you know, I've got, we got a look, uh, the, the, the greater Seattle area is just outstanding for, for getting a competitive game. in. we have, we have a lot of really strong competitors and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with quite a few of them and, and seeing how many of them went three and three and, and just looking back on that was going, wow, you know, they, they, they go undefeated in, in these RTTs here. So the, the, the that, that shift is, pretty amazing i i really didn't appreciate it at the time until the you know at the in hindsight um so just kind of shifting a little bit from lvo um just kind of uh kind of looking at thousand suns a little bit more um Mm. you know your take on the army right now do you think they are um and and hats off to you too because if you look at your list i mean you had the mutilith in there and you've got stuff that you know people look at your list and they'll go okay this dude's playing thousand sons um versus like someone who takes three demon princes and a supreme command it's like all right i guess but uh you know so asking you you're using these these you know you're using the codex pretty well here is thousand sons like kind of like Necrons where they could be just kind of like a couple steps away from being really good or do they have some bigger gaps here that need to be filled? Boy, it, it's a tough one. I, I've for a while felt that if, if we started seeing any sort of serious mono codex play or events, I, I actually think thousand suns would, could be one of the higher factions. I actually think our codex is a lot stronger than it gets credit for. Um, there definitely are gaps, but I, I don't feel like they're insurmountable based on the experience I have. I, I mean, something that we see constantly on things like the subreddit and constantly on, on podcasts is, is talking about like anti-armor being such a huge gap. I mean, in a world where knights exist, it's like, well, how can you have a list without anti-armor? It doesn't make any sense. But I think we have the tools to ignore that deficit and make up for it in other ways with board control and, and uh, dominance in the psychic phase, I think it actually uh, 
at least an ITC play can can a hundred percent cover that weakness. How do you think we? Um, I definitely see the same thing. Um, how do how do players tend to fall into that um, scenario where they're playing Thousand Suns and they're looking at armor and they're kind of like, geez, you know what? I don't know how to get my psychers in there because I'm facing either Cadians or you know the Castellans or something like that and. You know, they're looking at like owning the psychic phase or owning the board. And it's kind of like, well, I've got these power armor units that, you know, just die to everything. Um, <laughs> do, do you think, I, I guess, how, how do players that are looking at it that way, how do they transition into really getting, you know, into a situation where they're comfortable facing that? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a pretty interesting one. I, <laughs> You know, I, I think we hear a lot of generic play to the objectives, um, and, and that's like the pathway. But I think I think the, there's a message behind that that is simply like you need to look at things in 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 a small in a small way and and understand that that fits into a larger pattern. Uh, like for example, uh, the fact we we have we lack anti armor and. It, you can see it statistically. You can do. You can. You can look at the the small bits of that and go, okay, we we have you know this unit, that unit, that unit. None of that that deals with the tank and and it kills whatever we put out there, and that's terrible. But you know, you're missing the point of well, things that you go up against like knights. You know, they can't just they can't kill everything. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, like okay, like for example, I, I mentioned before, enlightened are really bad against knights. For example. And that sucks. You're, you're going to lose like a squad. You can lose a full size squad a turn easily against something like Knights. But then that's one that that was his target. The rest of your army, which also might be really bad at taking Night Fire, you know, didn't take any fire because you lost that one unit. And now you have to play with the rest of the army and understand that that loss and that weakness in that moment is not the definition of the game and that the rest of the game is going on around these little interchanges of, Oh, I just got this deleted off the map or all oh, these rubrics, you know, just died to plasma. Well, it's like, well, that plasma had to shoot something. Your opponent's not just going to not shoot it. So, you know, you have to understand that it's not the end of the world to have a weakness, but to plan around it and, and, and play around it. Gotcha. And would you say the biggest weakness that thousand sons have is, um, the the elite point costs that we have so the just the numbers that we have you have to be um, it's almost like you kind of feel the pain of your losses a lot stronger than you would with maybe something like guard yeah i i think that's probably fair to say rubric you know rubrics especially come to mind scarabacult termines of course i think everybody's everybody loves those and it, it just hurts to lose that many points at a time and sure, I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to build a, a 2,000 point list that's, you know, got, you know, 800 points of, of Terminators or 1,000 points of rubrics for that reason. But they are part of a bigger whole. You know, it's like, okay, we have that elite problem of, okay, rubrics are pretty expensive, Terminators are pretty expensive. But if you have a few and then you have, you know, 90 Zangors on the board as well, it kind of makes up for it a little bit. They're both tools for different situations and, and having access to both of them is, is fantastic. So if I'm hearing you right, you're saying balance is the key. Uh, yes. I, I think 8th edition 40K is all about balance. And I think that's actually saying it that way really uh, clarifies it. I, I, I will fully back that statement of 
not only is it the, the, the addition of balance, but I think that that's the problem with these conversations is it's not the, the statement of, oh, a Thousand Sons is a really bad anti-tank uh, faction and, and they'll never be able to succeed against knights because they, they can't you know, kill them is a statement that's said without the balance of, well, they actually have the rest of the army that can do all kinds of these amazing things. Do we not want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> that's a very fair point. Um, and I think you make a really good, um, a really good observation and, and statement on the, on the structure of the army. Um, and that even when I just quickly reflect on some of my games, I've always found that when I just, there were lots of Sundays or Saturdays when I'd get up and I'd just be like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to play, but I'm going to pick this, this, and this, and this off the shelf. And it was like Mahler fiends and forge fiends and whatever. It's just like random stuff that just people say sucks. And then you show up and you, you spread it in there and lo and behold, you have a half decent game and you're like, huh, okay, yeah. this stuff kind of works. And, um, you know, I kind of feel like just kind of circling back to what you said, the balance being the key it's kind of like when you hear folks kind of like, well, I want to get back to just running lots of rubrics or, you know, I don't want to run lots of Zangors. I think the consensus is, is that you need both, right? You need yeah. to have, you know, the Zangors are there because before Thousand Sons got Zangors, they had just cultists. And it was kind of like, well, you had to screen your rubric Marines with these things that pretty much just go charge them in close combat. But now you have, these guys that can actually fight in close combat and they're meant to be there. They're your first line and the rubrics are supposed to be kind of like behind them, uh, able to, you know, buff them or shoot at the opponents that are coming at you or whatever. Um, just yeah. kind of like that second line unit. Yeah. I, I, I cannot imagine playing thousand sons without Zangors. It's because it's like, what do you do in melee? You don't. And, and we're not so good at shooting that we can't just not have melee. You know, it's, it's a very much a combined force. Yep. That's absolutely true. And plus, I mean, we have dark matter crystal and, you know, if you look at the top players for thousand suns, um, all of them are running, uh, well, aside from Zach, but his army was structured very different. But if you look mm -hmm. at yourself and Justin Curtis, you're both running dark matter crystal. You're both running good size units of Zangors and you're putting them in your opponent's face pretty fast, like mm -hmm. turn one. And that's, if you look at it, that's an advantage Thousand Suns have right now. I forget the dark matter crystal warp time debate. The fact that you can throw them out there into them, turn one, that's that's an advantage, right? Yeah, I mean, who else? Does, I mean, orcs, I guess, have to jump, but I mean, that that's it. I mean, it is almost yeah. unique. Yeah, Gene Steelers, but they're. I mean, they have to jump. But Gene Steelers and the other armies, they gotta they gotta run the long way to get to you, right? So they're kind of you, you draw air hammer and anvil. They might, I mean, depending on the terrain and, and how you're deployed and everything, they might not get there. Um, yeah, and you know, gene soldiers are an interesting comparison. There, there's an example of an army like Tyranids that, that was dominated last year, for example. Um, I guess 2017, not 2018. Um, maybe early 2018. And every, uh, every game I've had against them turns, it turns into, okay, well, we've killed the gene stealers and now the rest of the army sucks. You know, yeah. whereas I feel like for me, it's like, okay, I can throw 40, 60 Zangors into the fray, um, do a bunch of damage. They eventually get killed. And then it's, well, I still have the rest of my army. That's actually pretty efficient and does some amazing things. So we're less of a one trick pony than some of the, uh, the other melee assault, uh, I won't say heavy, but you know, with a strong element army. Absolutely. Um, 
so kind of getting back onto the rubrics a little bit, uh, mm. what are your thoughts on bolter drill? Uh, are we going to see kind of a resurgence here? Do you think it's enough to make Scarabacult legit again? Uh, yes. So for rubrics, it's going to be on the fence. I've actually been for the last couple of months, I've been trying to fit, make them fit as objective holders. Cause I just think they'd be better than cultists against things like mortars and, you know, the indirect fire, but it's just never worked out. I can't pay double points for an objective holder. You know, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, now with bolter drill, I, I don't think it changes their backfield presence much. I don't, I don't think that it's going to matter, but I think scarabs, have a huge amount of potential coming up and I will, I've got 20 sitting on the shelf in there and I am. <laughs> That's a lot of Terminators. Terminators. Uh, it's one of the units that really pulled me into Thousand Suns. The rubrics are cool, but the Scarabical Terminators were just. They're gorgeous, aren't they? Cruisers. Yeah. It's one of the, the best sculpts I think in, in the game right now. And you know, uh, I played them a lot early on. Do, do you, so when you think about, okay, so, how do they become relevant now? Is it because they they can just move around and just shoot their full full firepower, or is it that you can put them back out of distance and keep them kind of away, but put them anywhere on the board you need to have them? I, I think I think it's the answer is both. I think they become a versatile tool now, whereas before you wanted to drop them in and you basically wanted them at the twelve inch into melee range, assuming the power swords are relevant. You know, right. they're not good against everything, but um, the, the answer, the thing now is you can drop them anywhere. Do you, do you need just a fire base? I mean, okay. Five, even five of them are going to be putting out, you know, 20 high quality shots. Mm-hmm. Um, do you need something, you know, an assault element? Do you need something to, to get in the way of, of an army? I mean, I'd drop five in front of a bunch of boys and just say, well, deal with this first. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they don't like dealing with two up armor. No. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I, they're going to become a flexible unit that can both, they could, they could stay out of combat if they need to, and just have a, a zone of 20, a 24 inch bubble zone of control, especially if you were to do something crazy, like drop 10 mm-hmm. and, oh boy. They, and they can go into melee, I, you know, and like rubrics. I mean, I think that's the thing holding rubrics back is if they get tied up in melee, it's uh, it's a yeah. bad day. You but really just have that four staff in there and that's about it. It's about it. Yeah. So yeah, the power swords on on average will get them out of, out of some trouble that that the the close combat weapon would not. <laughs> so after so after LVO here, um, what would you say? You know, in term from out of the Thousand Suns Codex, what were you what were you using a lot from a standpoint of like uh, stratagems? I think you. I mean, you had so many casters that from a you know power standpoint, you were probably using everything. Um, but yeah, <laughs> stratagems is probably more more interesting. Like what what did you, what did you use a lot of? Um, I think I deep stroke one squad of Zangors every game. Um, so you know the webway um, webway strike. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's see. Cabalistic focus comes up for the really key. I, you know, I don't overuse it. I, it's like, oh, I really need to get this death hex off. Oh, I really need to get this warp time off. It, it, it's only for mission critical because that's that CP is is so valuable, right? Um, Chaos familiar came up quite a bit. I think it's one of the best strategies in the, uh, in the game. I mean, we have we have access to eighteen spells, and just being able to put one anywhere at oh, any yeah. time for a CP is just 
outstandingly good. Yeah, there's a lot of situations you're sitting there saying, oh, I just need this power, and well, guess what? You can have it. Yeah. Um, let me think. Um, fight twice. I mean, that's an easy go-to as well. I mean, deep strike and fight twice is like, yeah, sure, of course. Veterans, you know, we're going to use veterans basically every turn. Um, so I think the fate of mutation, no, no, fate of mutation is the chaos spawn attacks. It's, um, soul sacrifice. It's turning a character into a spawn. Oh, the flesh change. Flesh, the flesh change. Um, you can't sleep on this. I didn't do it at LVO because I forgot to bring a spawn model and I didn't feel comfortable, um, asking to proxy at LVO. (laughs) Uh Um, but this is a super slept on stratagem that, that I, you know, I'd love to talk about because being able to turn a squishy exalted sorcerer or maybe a demon prince on one wound into a full fighting uh, chaos spawn that you can put anywhere within six inches of, of, the, of the dead psyker, um, it's, it's outstanding. <laughs> and so, if I'm, so that six inches, if you think about it, it's almost effectively like further because of how the big the, the base is on the spawns. Uh, they, have, they have pretty big bases, but you can put them within one inch of something, can't you? Yeah, it does not say to leave it with that one inch. And, and just being able to, to tag into something with like a demon prince that's on one wound or something like that is just, it, it's done so much work for me in some games. Dark Reapers, um, Hive Guard, it's just surprise tag. And, you know, it's something that was probably going to die anyway, because you're probably out of position if, you're <laughs> if you've got a sorcerer or a one wound demon prince that's uh, up in the back lines. But, right. um, you know, a single chaos bond isn't going to do damage, but just pulling stuff out of combat is, you know, you get surrounded by something in the fight phase and now it's just gone. Um, you know, you're, your opponent's going to lose a bunch of attacks. And if it's your turn next, you get to shoot whatever used to be in combat. And being able to tie something up totally for free is just outstanding. I mean, it's a little niche, but it's done a lot of work in the past for me. Very cool. Um, how do you, how do you judge kind of the hard part for me on that is looking at it from the standpoint of, I have to give up the sorcerer. Um, it's how, how are you looking at the situation and being able to like cross that line and say, you know what, I'm willing to give the guy up. Uh, you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't ever use it unless I was a hundred percent sure he was dead. Otherwise, you know, if I've, if I, I like, for example, I've used it in a space wolves game where I've got a character and like three or four blood claws on an exalted sorcerer. And it's like, yeah, he's not going to make it. He's got a five open ball and he's dead. I would much rather just nullify that combat completely and have a spawn six inches up the board that, that now is, is something that he's got to randomly deal with. And, Oh, it's actually my turn next, you know? So, yeah. Um, I pro- I would never use it on anything that even has a chance to live because, as we probably all know, chaos spawns are not good. So you're really only doing it for the trick of it, the the yeah. being combat or being in combat somewhere else. You're not doing it to get a chaos spawn. <laughs> yeah, although you can, I mean, you you mentioned they there is, I mean, they gave us two chaos spawn stratagems. Uh, that one being one of them. Mm. The other one at least lets you re-roll. Was it reroll hits or reroll the number of attacks, and then you get to pick whatever the ability is? So I guess there's there's a little flexibility there, and I I kind of toyed with it a little bit, but that's kind of mm. one of those real, it, like you said, it's real real niche, and it's you know kind of like yeah, it's it you can remember it's there, but it's more um, I guess it's uh, more boutique in a way. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I like using the word boutique to describe anything involving chaos spawn. I want to, <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little down on chaos spawn, but I got to say, I, I'm really tempted to, um, I'm, I'm definitely going to try out some running a, maybe a squad of four, four or five. I can't, I can't remember which is max squad, but right. try running them uh, just raw. I mean, they're only 25 points now and, and that, that stratagem's not bad. Yeah. And uh, for a unit of them to, to, to pop that on the unit, that's, Okay, that's a little bit of a different story there. Yeah, yeah, because I, I believe the way it's worded, you you can reroll for each one individually, so you can you don't have to reroll a whole set. So I like I think statistically you get a lot more attacks out of it. And again, being able to pick the bonus is I think really strong because they're they're three very different options, and each one could potentially be very powerful against your target. So I I think there's a chance four wounds T five. I don't know. Yeah, I, did did I uh, did I completely get that wrong? Uh, Chaos spawn are they kind of like um, the 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 tank squ- or vehicle squadrons where they can they're taken as a unit, they come down and then they act independently, or do they have to still act as a unit? I believe they 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 are uh, just a normal unit. Okay, I believe that's right. I don't so, have my next here to double check. Right. Yeah. I can grab that. If, if that's the case, if it's not, then there's no hope for them. They're going to, always going to be terrible. <laughs> the, wonders, the wonders of audio editing. Oh, yeah, there you go. I can chop this up. Nice. <coughs> Uh-oh. I don't see my codex sitting around here. Uh-oh. Here, I can, uh, I can maybe grab mine if we're on, if we're on quick pause. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. Here. But I'll tell you, I picked up one of those hammerhead trays when I was at LVO. Those things are so fantastic. Oh, man. Yeah, I spent a bit of money over there, too. I, I, I uh, left it. I didn't have a gauge and, uh, or objective, objective markers. Uh, hammerhead helped, hooked me up for that. But um, Did you get one of the – it was the MDF, the foldable wood trays? Yeah, that- yeah I, um, I pre-ordered it because it was like 25 bucks. Oh. And, um, I, I took my army in the Citadel case in the foam. Wow. And, and I just like, I just figured, look, you know, worst case, I dumped $25. I don't, I can't get the tray back home with me. But um, I got back to the, the hotel room day two, took the thing apart. And believe it or not, it fits. All the parts lay flat in the bottom of the Citadel case. And then, oh, wow. uh, and then you can just put all the foam trays and all your army back on top of that and, that that believe it or not, that's carry on size on the airplane. That's slick. I I really like the sound of that. It worked great. I I hate and I had spiky bits on my guys, and I hate using the foam. Uh, I have like the magnetic tray table war case that I typically use, but yeah, it's a nightmare for going between games. And now I've just basically the the hammerhead tray is so nice. It's a little bit hard to put back together, but once you do it once, you're good. Okay. Uh, and I've now just been like using that and I just keep my dice and my tape measure and everything in it. And when it's game day on Saturday, I just pick the thing up, put it in my backseat of my car and off I go. Oh man, that's pretty awesome. I, I might have to try that. I, I went a slightly different route. I, I, I magnetized everything and put it in a, I've been carrying around just an old metal toolbox. And, and keep oh, it in. Okay. But 
which is great. It's really convenient, but it's actually not good for getting stuff in and out fast. So like on game day, I actually have to be a little bit careful. And I, I find that I lost time because of that. And the tray doesn't have that problem. So I may have to try it. Well, what's the verdict? All right. Um, I just had it up here. I've got a digital version. I just had to find it. Uh, yeah, they are chaos spawn. Can include up to four additional, so it's five, five max squad. Uh huh. And they are just a normal unit. Yeah, I guess so. And then the faded mutation is you can just. It says pick a unit of chaos ones. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll, you'll get all five. Yeah, so if, let's say you're going against something that's, you know, help. If you think about it, they have one that is AP minus three for all of their attacks. Yeah. And you're going against just power armor Marines. Like a few of them could technically get through a unit of Marines pretty quickly. I mean, they're strength five, uh, up the D6 attacks. So, I mean, three or four attacks on average. Um, that's no, that's no joke. And yeah. the one that really, the one that really caught my eye is reroll wounds. Um, you can, yeah, they yeah. can punch above their weight class with reroll all wounds, even at strength five, they could, they could start gnawing on a tank with, with that. Hmm. For 25 points. Now you've got me thinking. I I'm yeah. If you take a max size squad, 125, I could just drop the mutilative vortex piece out of my current list. Drop yeah, five yeah. guys in, and they're they're probably a little more durable. Uh, is that true? Twenty wounds. Their saves worse. No inborn. Okay, maybe not as, not not durable, but they're going to output. I think a lot more damage in melee than the vortex beast would. Well, you bring up a good, that's a good thing. Uh, you mentioned the vortex beast. I didn't even get a chance to ask you. How did that thing do for you? Oh gosh, um, you know some game like I played against that uh, the Yunari list. It it did literally nothing. Um, <clears throat> he just hid behind a building and because he was marked, I was like trying to keep him out. Right. He did mortal wounds. And then, you know, I'll have a game like um, against Knights. I got reroll charges uh, on my um, Lord of Change. I put it on uh, uh, minus one AP on the Zangors going up against those Breachers. Um, plus one strength against boys. Um, that, that's enormous. I mean, strength five against T4 is just such a, 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 a critical uh, turning point. You, it, it sounds like you're picking your power. You're not rolling, right? Ah, yes, always. Uh, early on, uh, I'd get I'd get myself into a point where I'm like, you know what? Basically, five out of the six powers are awesome. I'm just going to roll twice and you know get minus one leadership two times in a row, you know, or or get two buffs and then realize, you know what? I really should have just picked <laughs> the one I didn't get. You know? Yep. I, I pick a hundred percent of the time and depending on the situation, if, if I feel like there are two powers that would be critical, like I really want strength five and AP two, I will use the stratagem to get an, an, an extra roll just for a little bit of a chance. Um, it's, it's one CP and it just says you get a, you get to roll for an extra one and it goes off without, um, yeah, without the power or rolling for it without rolling for the power. Um, you know, that, that, that's, it's pretty random for a CP, but if I'm if I'm feeling flush, um, it can be worth it. Um, also, don't forget you can potentially get the same power twice, and having plus two strength or minus two AP can can be pretty huge as well. So, 
Now, if you're if you're talking about possibly replacing him with five chaos spawn, though, it doesn't sound like he's really earning his keep. I mean, the the problem I had with him, I think the reason I I, I have some some negative vibe on him is is not the powers. The powers tend to be really solid. Um, he's he's just not very good in combat. Hitting on fours is bad. <laughs> yeah, and twelve attacks hitting on fours. Um, with his with his like sweep uh, uh, version of his attack, um, the claws instead of the maw, you know, it, six hits. I mean, strength seven, which is solid. I mean, he's, he'll he'll put some wounds on infantry, but you're lucky to get two or three kills with him, and and he's huge. It's it's feels a little underwhelming. <laughs> do you um do you, do you remember um the. <coughs> Ability where his it, when his health drops below half, the, the, the range doubles on his on his auras. So, yeah. so instead of um, I actually when I've played with him a couple times, I in the first couple times I forgot about this, but he gets damaged, and you get that you can pick that mortal wound nova that he does like one mortal wound to everything, and instead of nine inches now it's eighteen inches, and you can bet that an 18 inch radius from that big of a model and you've got him up towards them, that's going to hit a lot of stuff that if you think about it, you've got to do a mortal wound to those units one way, or you've got to do a, a wound to those units one way or another to kill them. And now you've just decreased. Like if you can just magically decrease everything by one wound. Yeah. You know, that can actually be pretty strong. It shines, and I and I have in a game where I played too had them both wounded enough to to get that to trigger. I mean that's enormous. I mean you're doing like ten mortal wounds between the two of them a turn. That's crazy. But I gotta say, in my experience, it comes up very rarely. He is either full health or dead. <laughs> <laughs> is that because he's only got the five up involved that it just and at best you give him Weaver of Fates to bump him to a four, and I mean even then that's only 50% of whatever's going through. It's whatever yeah. wants to really kill him can kill him. Yeah. I mean, any kind of anti-night firepower will kill one of these guys. It just, you know, unless you get just spectacularly lucky. So, you know, auto cannons, dark reapers, last cannons. I mean, it, it, they, he just gets eat by this stuff. You know, there's value in him tanking these shots uh, if you're running other big stuff. And, and yeah. I, I, I do think that's huge. But in this particular list, I feel like I'd really rather the Lord of Changes be taking the hits. <laughs> and so he, he drops him more efficient. a little bit. Yeah. I think, another, I think I'll continue running them. I, I still have two, of course. Um, I have a Magma Droth from Age of Sigmar. I might try to convert into a third one. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and try some different shenanigans and some different lists. But, but for this list, I, I think he was the wrong choice. I took, I took three of them out now uh, at... Uh, the Alamo GT in San Antonio last year, and it went wow. It went horribly bad for me, <laughs> except against Necrons, and it was kind of like false hope. So <laughs> uh, you can you can eat a few warriors. <laughs> yeah, and this was when they were 150 points a model, so it was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I can get that, points. <laughs> I'm still scarred from that. So <laughs> no, <laughs> no. You know, I I think just running one's not necessarily a bad place. Um, you know, especially if you can uh, maybe warp time him into a good spot. I think if I was running 30-man Zangor units instead of 20, and I could maybe trail them off a little bit when I Deep Strike or Dark Matter Crystal and, and keep them well within range of, of a buff, um, I think that might, might see a little more play. 
because um, really string five or AP two are both really powerful on, on 20 or 30 Zangors. So yeah, he I, really I, needs to run with a pack of Zangors or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it has to be the, that's the other thing that, that, that I felt a little uneasy about is it has to be the, the Zangors on foot. This, these guys do nothing for an enlightened basically. Um, oh, because they're not infantry, right? Yeah. Well, uh, it's, um, you, uh, oh, it's in each unit. It's just that all of their powers affect melee only, and the Enlightened are not often in melee. They're okay in melee. Well, so that's interesting you bring that up, though, because I've heard <laughs> Justin start talking about actually taking them with spears. Um, yes. And the thing that I never thought about was just the fact that, well, by taking them with spears, um, you can double fight with them. Yeah. And so yeah. there is that kind of, you, you get a little bit more st strategy out of them, and... <laughs> I wonder if psychologically you can get away with people thinking, oh, well, they don't shoot. It. They don't shoot. I'm not going to worry about them that much anymore. And maybe it takes the threat away a little bit. I, I think you might be right there. And that, that's uh, definitely an iteration list I want to do this year. I've, I've got six more Enlightened I haven't put together yet. And uh, I think they're all going to end up being Spears. And uh, I'd like to run, maybe I have nine, actually. I think I have a full set of nine. Um, and, and run a max size set of spears. And uh, yeah, at that point, then, um, you know, extra AP starts looking a lot better. Reroll charges for sure. Like, um, and so on their, on their, on their charge turn, they would be um, strength uh, five. Uh, Cause that's what they, they have strength five. And then it would be um, minus two AP, but then they get a bonus damage. So it's actually be minus two and two damage a piece. And you can fight twice with them. Yeah. That's that's pretty strong, and and then just having the option to make them strength six is also that can be a break point that can be relevant. Sure, um, and don't forget they auto wound. That that happens in melee as well. Oh, that's true. Actually, the strength becomes a little less important with that. But yeah, minus two AP on them, or, or and or rerolling charges. I I think there's some potential there for sure. I, I definitely. I think, yeah, go ahead. Uh, just I definitely want to experiment with them. It's it's been on my list. Yeah, I think the thing that kind of gets me, though, the only drawback to this is you end up starting to look at, okay, if my Enlightened are going to cost, I don't know, 120-something points, and now I'm bringing the Mutalith, I'm probably bringing a Shaman, too, because I'm giving them plus one to hit. And mm. I start looking at all the things I'm investing in to make this work. <laughs> and on their own, they're okay. And as a group together, they're really good but I start questioning the, the investment cost of everything to make this work. Whereas I can easily between those three get above 200 points or so. And those Scarab Occult Terminators are staring me, you know, at like <laughs> 190, 180, something like that. And it's kind of like, well, that might be a hell of a lot easier to just bring a squad of them. It's a good point. I, I, I do believe in the, the individual pieces for working with Zangors and even the Mutalith Vortex beast. I, they have, they're not useless by themselves, but it is a good point. Especially when you start getting up to like three, 350, that's a lot of points, you know. Yeah. It's hard not to think, well, you're almost at a night at that point, or maybe drop in a Leviathan, or... <laughs> right, I mean, why not? You know, and or, hell, you're, you're almost a Magnus, so... You're almost a Magnus. <laughs> so, uh, so just kind of um, trying to kind of put a bow on this. Um, where what's your take on the meta man um do you think do you think we're headed for some castellan nerfs and maybe a yanari nerf and is jeans are gene stealers about to take over are we 
are we suddenly going to have to like refit our armies here for, or does everybody basically have to get ready for a retooling? Yeah. The, I think the meta, I'm, I, I've been thinking about it a lot and um, Gene Stillers are going to shake it up for sure. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be a super strong army. I think they're going to test a general's uh, ability more than an army's ability, if that makes sense. Uh, I think you're going to have to be able to play their little mini game and, and understand their board presence to, to win that matchup more than just have a list that counters them, you know? Um, I'm hoping we're in for Castellan nerfs. I'm not holding my breath. I think GW really likes selling Castellans. Call me jaded. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, I, I think Guard is just getting better, um, and Imperium Soup is just getting better. I, I think we're going to continue to see a lot of that. We're going to see more Death Watch. Um, we're going to see more Guard. Uh, I think we are going to see more Vulture Gunships. I think we are going to see more Assassins, which really sucks for us. <laughs> the, Although, uh, we, can, we can take them too. <laughs> Is that is that true? Oh yeah, yeah. You can um, the, you you take a cipher in a detachment in a box, <laughs> auxiliary detachment, and that makes you an Imperium detachment. Even though he doesn't need any bonuses or anything, you just take him alone, and oh, then for one command point, now you've got access to it. That is really funny. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to chew on that a little bit. Uh, having access to four different, very different types of assassins could be really interesting the, you know the other thing that's really cool is cypher uh, i mean if you're talking about list design for tournaments on a yeah. two up he doesn't count for points oh yes yeah i, I remember that part which is hilarious to me but yeah wow. wait just wait for somebody to win a game with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i won't hold my never hear the end of it it's one of those gimmicky like oh did you guys know we can do this now but yeah. <laughs> right. um well, speaking yeah go ahead Oh, just, I just, you know, it, the thing that I keep coming back to is we're, we're going to have to tool for Imperium. Like, yeah. I just don't think there's going to be, Tau might get a little more popular, but I think by and large, we're just going to have to constantly keep an eye on and make sure our lists can't, don't just immediately crumple against any sort of guard plus X. No, that's interesting because we're, uh, we've, we're on, at the time of this recording, we are on the verge of Shadow Spear. And what we know at this time right now is mm -hmm. they, they, they basically showed their hand that there's, you know, some Abaddon's coming. Um, they've got some new, some new chaos units like the, the Summoner guy, uh, the Venom spawn uh, looking thing. They obviously have got reworked Chaos Space Marines, Obliterators, possibly Mutilators, probably Possessed as well. And it sounds like yeah, Space Marines are about to get this big run. I've heard some folks say some really interesting things where what if this Shadow Spear box comes with like a Primaris Rhino or something like that? Are Primaris Marines then all of a sudden this, is there, are they becoming more viable at that point or is GW jump, dumping more into them to get them, you know, rolling a little bit more? Well, I, I think we're well overdue, you know, speaking as a chaos player here, not a thousand suns player. I, I think overall we're, we, we're, we've been the forgotten stepchild there. Um, I, I'll be interested. I, I, things like the mutilators and the obliterators getting new models is cool. Um, I, we desperately need there to be a more of a reason to run things like that or the spider like we need more special rules we need to see some chapter tactics changes or maybe some vigilist attachments i think those are going to be the critical pieces 
unless they unless they're changing data sheets, which could be exciting as well. Um, I, I think. Well, I've heard as, I've heard as much as they could possibly be releasing a new codex space uh, cast space marines or a, an index supplement of some kind. Well, that'd be wild. I, I would be very excited to see that because I think that's what we need. We need that core to change more than here's a few new units. Like that's I don't think that's going to cut it to make us interestingly different. But yeah, do you think they suffer from they just they were the early army or one of the early codexes that came out? I think they were like the second codex to come out. Yeah. Um, you know, do, do you think that's and uh, Space Marines kind of the same way do, is that their is that the problem they have right now that the game, the the rules have bloated? Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true because I, I think we see it in things like us having versions of things that are just not as good as as things that have released later. Um, Gene Stiller Colts really highlighted that I think where you know they, they they have chapter tactics out of out of both loyalist and um, uh, heretic Astarte's uh, chapters, but they're just better versions of it. And and I mean that's not even apples to oranges anymore. You know we're comparing apples to apples, and those apples are much nicer than ours. <laughs> or the or the fact that when they designed the the Astartes uh, legions that they. They only allowed like infantry, hellbrutes, and bikers to get those to get the legion traits. But then it was kind of like halfway through the design cycle, they just nah, never mind. We'll just give it to everything now. Yeah, I, that that part in particular has always interested me. That that all these other codexes are getting vehicles, getting those traits, and and, and we never did. That'd be a very simple fix. <laughs> yeah, a simple re, you reword it or uh, an errata or something. Yeah. 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 Well. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, just the vehicles thing, it got me thinking too. Uh, one thing I said was, you know, new units doesn't necessarily do it for us. But I will say the other thing is if we could get any kind of transport that didn't suck, we'd be in a m very interesting position, which is why the dreams have me excited. <laughs> I was just going there. I was like, what do you yeah. mean? We got this awesome drill now. <laughs> I mean, realistically, we only have the Rhino, which is just statistically the most awful thing in the game. True. But the drill is like, wow, do we maybe have a transport that's not awful? Maybe? I'll tell you what, man. I, I put that thing into two shield captains in one game, and in one turn, uh, it nearly ate both of them. One one of them got away with one wound. Oh, it's just crazy. I, I can't wait to try it out. Yeah, it's, it is it is well worth the 134 points it takes to put it on the table. I couldn't believe they were that cheap. I, you know, two rhinos, sure, but like it, it does 10 times the work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, just in closing here, um, oh, one of the things I, I uh, said I was going to bring up was, um, ITC faction scoring. Um, mm -hmm. one of the, I heard Reese kind of drop some hints that maybe they're going, and this was in one of the, I think it was uh, signals from the front line. Um, one of the things they might be doing is for this year, um, for faction scoring, I, I heard two things. One was that they're probably now for tournaments going to be saying your 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 faction is total faction points in the army, so or total detachment points. So if I have two five hundred or two six hundred point thousand sun detachments and one I don't know eight hundred point um, <laughs> Nurgle detachment, I'm going to be thousand suns because combined it's twelve hundred points. Whereas mm -hmm. today it would be Nurgle because it's one big detachment. Um, the other thing was that they might possibly make it where to earn a, um, a faction, a top faction award or like a top faction score 
title of some kind in ITC, you would mm. your army would need to be one hundred percent thousand like one hundred percent that faction. So you wouldn't be able to have a Nurgle detachment or a splash of something else. You'd have to be one hundred percent like mono faction for the most part. What are your thoughts on this? It's interesting. I, I kind of like the idea of the mono faction thing just because it's it's really setting up a completely separate meta for some people, <laughs> which would be really interesting to see. I guess, unfortunately, yeah. they'd be playing games against people who were not doing that, and so it might not be a great experience. But <laughs> um, I think we do need a refinement, though. I, I think it's really unfortunate, and I think Thousand Suns highlights this, that you know you can have somebody with you know, 750 or 800 points, that's just a, a, like a Supreme Command, and that somehow is their main faction, which just is bizarre. Um, I, you know, there's, there's some, some ways we can handle it. Maybe, you know, you'd have to run a battalion maybe to get uh, uh, scored for a certain faction instead of, you know, like a Vanguard or a Supreme HQ maybe counting. Um, I... I I could see some change. Maybe you have to have more than a thousand points, not just the whatever's biggest. You know, there, there's some different ways to handle it, but I do think there needs to be some change. I, I think both Imperium and Chaos are kind of. I, I think there's some there's some salt in the in those sub factions because it's come up time and time again. <laughs> yeah. I, I well, definitely more representation for the the smaller factions and have those players that like to be fluffy rewarded in some way because you know. Yeah, that was that was the thing, and hopefully I heard it right when I was listening to the podcast that that's what they were talking about. I could be I could be completely wrong, and I just heard it wrong, but um, I I believe that's what they were talking about um, as a as a potential idea. And um, part of their move to these standardized lists was or the list formats. Um, and just to bring that into the fold here, um, one of the things that they've started doing for the tournaments now is when we if you haven't gone to one of these events, you have to submit your list into an electronic system uh, that is used to do pairings for who you play automatically. Um, and this is how a lot of us get to look at like lists afterwards and can bring up who played what. Um, mm. This event was the first time that they uh, required everybody to put them in in a certain format. So it used to be you could just take a picture of something or you could just copy and paste your battle scribe list or something like that into there. Um, but now they've come out with like an official format that you have to put your list into. And by doing that, they now have the ab ability to feed those lists into these like, um, you know, programs that can just parse the lists. So everything being in a solid format, they can, they can automatically parse the list and get data out of it. Um, so that's how you're hearing um, like these other pot, like the frontline gaming podcast coming out and saying, Hey, here's the percentage breakdowns of these armies, how they got to it so quick. Um, but with part of that, they also now have the ability to quickly identify um, whether you are running a pure faction army or not. Um, they can just look uh -huh. at your detachment, that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it's just really interesting. I think that, I think you nailed it though, that there's that kind of potential for a sub meta that evolves where you can, you, you almost can make a choice of, well, do I go for overall or do I go for best faction? And you kind mm. of give people uh, more reason to try, like more reason and more variety in the armies uh, to do that kind of stuff because you're all playing each other. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it could make, make it really interesting. Cause I mean, if you went to enough events, you know, and of course this definitely favors people in, in certain areas over others, like, you know, you could go to some events to try to improve your overall score 
you know, taking whatever it takes. And then maybe you go to some other events with only your faction to try to score those points. And I don't know. It's maybe not optimal, but it definitely uh, tickles the list builder part of my brain. That's like, hey, this could be kind of a fun challenge. <laughs> How would I do this? Yeah. 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 Well, Reef, uh, we've, we've definitely had a heck of an interview here. Um, and I really <laughs> appreciate you taking the time to, uh, you know, just let us you know, pick your brain a bit, just kind of get how LVO went. Um, hopefully this is kind of given some, uh, shed some light on some, some ideas, some concepts you were using um, and help some people out. Yeah, I, I hope it's helpful. I mean, it, it's definitely something I've been uh, more passionate as, as I've been a little more successful with tournaments. Like I really like the collaboration feature because I, I think the 40K meta is just so untapped you know, in, in a way that something like maybe Magic the Gathering, okay, maybe it's not solved, but there's so many people playing it that, that the collaboration efforts really make the meta highly refined. And I don't think we have that in 40K yet. And I, I think we need, uh, you know, getting podcasts out there and getting, you know, these forum posts or subreddit threads going, like, I think we can achieve more, you know, collectively. And I'm really excited about that. So uh, thanks for the opportunity to you know talk a little bit and hopefully it was helpful. <laughs> Anytime. And hopefully we'll have a chance to have you on, uh, maybe uh, have you on as a guest on the, uh, on the official podcast, uh, uh, not just an interview, have you join us, uh, you know, maybe sometime coming up in the future. Oh, that, that'd be awesome. I'd love an opportunity. This was really fun. <laughs> Very cool.